Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Poetry Superhighway Live. My name is Rick Lupert of, of the Poetry Superhighway, and uh, today is a special edition of our program. We had our regular monthly open reading last week, but today we are uh, we have with us the judges of this year's Poetry Superhighway contest, our 11th annual contest, who will be talking with in just a few minutes to get some insights from them about uh, the process that they're going through and scoring the poems that are that uh, are coming in. It's also a special edition of Poetry Superhighway Live because uh, this is actually the one-year anniversary of the launch of Poetry Superhighway Live. It was a year ago that we had our first show, which was the conversation with last year's contest judges. And ever since then, we have done at least one show a month. We've done our monthly open reading, which has been really successful. We've had poets reading every single month from mostly all over the United States, but definitely people from outside of the U.S. have called as well, which is pretty cool. It's almost as cool as uh, as an in-person open reading uh, uh, with the extra cool factor that you can participate from anywhere all over the world. Uh, and so uh, we've had an entire year's worth of shows, all of which you can listen to on the Blog Talk Radio archive page. There's uh, 11 or 12 open readings. Um, there was last year's conversation with the judges. We had a special show one month where a poet named Violet Monday was interviewed and read a few poems. And, of course, in October of last year, we had a special event where we announced first the winners of last year's contest, which we will be doing this year as well, this October. So happy birthday to us, and um, I'm happy to have with me the three judges of this year's contest, who are Gabrielle Middlebach, PJ Knights, and Margot Leary. Hello to all of you. Hi. Hi. Um, Now, Gabrielle, I I know you just called in. I want to make sure you're there. I'm here. Okay, excellent. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi, PJ. Hello. And hello, Margo. Hi. So um, I've got a bunch of things I want to ask you, and I know you have a couple poems prepared to read. So uh, first off, you know, we've been, uh, uh, the contest has been going for a couple weeks so far, and you've received, I think, about 50 entries or so from me so far. Uh, sporadically over these couple of weeks. Do, do any of you have any, uh, I don't know, first impressions as as to what it's been like to be a judge of the contest so far? It's certainly interesting um, being able to read lots of different styles of poetry, uh, you know, it's, um, and stuff that's contemporary, obviously. Um, people just, um, I don't know, just it's very interesting. Cool, that's yeah, PJ, I'll right? Yeah, i right. Yeah, I'll second that. This is Margot. I'm just so interested to see how how many contemporary idioms there are and how and how clearly and interestingly people speak them. Cool. And uh, Gabrielle, what about you? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's it's fun and it's it's nice to see lots of people out there writing. Excellent. So um, let me let's get to know you guys a little bit first. Maybe we could go through the three of you. you can just tell us just a, a tiny bit about yourselves, where you live, uh, what you do for a living. If it's not poetry, or if you're in school, or or, or whatever. I'd, Gabrielle, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I live in Los Angeles, and I lived here all my life. And I work at UCLA in the um, College Library Instructional Computing Commons, which is an undergraduate um, computing lab. Cool. I should also mention uh, that, Gabrielle, you were the first place winner of last year's contest. Congratulations on that. It's the tradition of this contest, this is the 11th year of the contest, to invite um, people who placed in the higher positions to be judges uh, for the next year's competition. Uh, I guess it makes it a little bit easier for me to try to choose from a, a worldwide cast of poets if I can narrow it down to the the, the top scores from last year. So you came in first. Congratulations. And PJ, you, you took third place in the contest last year. Right. And what, why don't you tell us about you? Um, I teach high school physics in Lewiston, Maine. I live in Brunswick, which is uh, closer to the coast. And I've lived in Maine all my life. And I thought it was funny when you said, you know, what do you do if you don't make a living at poetry? <laughs> but i got to admit, the Poetry Superhighway Contest is a good way to 
You put a little cash in your pocket with poetry. Yeah, you, you must have been able to take yourself out to uh, dinner and buy a quarter of a tank worth of gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually we did. We went to this very nice place to stay right on the ocean, so it was fun. Well, I'm, I'm glad that po- you know a friend of mine uh, said once that if you ever make any money from poetry that you should you should immediately buy food with it you know because in, in some way you, you've sustained yourself literally from from your work which is great. Um, so Margo, what about you? You you by the way um, you took I don't know if you were aware of this uh, but you you were in the fourth place position in last yes. year's contest. So you know we we kind of. We we celebrate the the top three. Those are considered the winners, but certainly number four is is nothing to sneeze at. But. Absolutely, yes. Um, I I actually grew up maybe just a few miles from where you are now in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, and now I'm living in New York. But I'm actually starting the Iowa Writers Workshop in the fall, so I'll be heading on over to the floodplains. That's great. And you, um, did, is there a call from your bio you work for a poetry organization? Yeah, Parnassus. Um, I'm at Parnassus Poetry and Review, which is a really good, really interesting. Everyone should take a look at it. The website is poetryandreview.com. It's, it's um, critical essays and reviews of contemporary but also more modern and, and, and classical poetry and, and poems as well. So I edit stuff over there. And um, one, wonderful stuff comes in. Say that again. Oh, sorry. Is the connection? Um, yeah. So I'm I'm over there in New York. It's a wonderful, really, really rough shot operation. Nothing like the smooth oiled gears of of Poetry Magazine. Um, <laughs> it's a real it's a real one man show. Our editor Herb Leibowitz is 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 absolutely wonderful. So. He's been he's been at the helm for many many decades, and it's just an absolutely um, it's 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 designed for people who read poetry and are interested in a critical eye on poetry, but are not academics or don't want you know the ped- the the pedantry and the and the and the clouds of fog that sometimes academics speak in. So mm-hmm. it's I, I find it, it's really accessible. That's great. So, you know, it, it, so you actually, I mean, this is a job, you, you get paid to work at this organization, is that yes. right? Yes. It's great. So amongst all of us who are... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I mean, I was, you know, in a way, perhaps amongst all of us, you're you're one kind of making a, a living immersed in poetry for the moment, you know. So uh, for somehow no, we'll we, we all worship you uh, at the moment. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, a friend of mine... A friend, right? A friend of mine, a, a, a poet named Brendan Constantine. He, uh, his dad is an actor, and he, um, and he was just just hoping to God that that uh, Brendan would not become an actor, you know, uh, because there's just you know no money in, in it, etc. And so when Brendan announced he was going to be a poet, I think his father just about had a heart attack. He found the one profession that he could <laughs> make less money at, you know. Um, all right. Yeah. So what? One more. One more background question for you guys. Maybe you can let us know uh, how uh, how you came to poetry. It's kind of a vague question. Maybe when you started to write something of that nature. What you know? What brought you to to poetry in any way that that you want to answer? Who wants to go first? PJ. Um, sure. <laughs> um, I actually I was a physics major, and the only English class I took in college was one on Victorian poetry. And that actually made me not read poetry for about 20 years. <laughs> so it, it wasn't until a, a friend of mine was interested, and I, I actually started reading stuff online, and I realized um, what a huge community of poets out there that there was. And, you know, there were a lot of conversations, poetic conversations going on, and it just was something that was kind of dynamic and, you know, not sitting still, and that's really what got me interested. I think if it hadn't been for the Internet, I probably wouldn't have um, actually started reading and writing poetry. That's great. One okay, Score one for the Internet. Right. <laughs> um, Gabrielle, what about you? Um, it's a really good question, actually, because um, I'm not completely sure. I I think I've always been writing since I was, you know, since I could write. Um my mom was also a poet, 
um, but she she didn't make a living at it. I mean, she was a librarian. So I think it's kind of always been around in my life, and it didn't really dawn on me that it was something that I would call myself a poet until maybe, uh, I don't know, recently. <laughs> um, well, welcome so aboard. Thing I've always done, but it, was, it took me a long time to figure out to say, like, oh, oh, like I can really do, I could do that. Or I could call myself that, not just in the closet, write stuff, you know. That's an interesting question. I, you know, I wonder. You know, there's always a debate between, uh, you know, what is poetry and what isn't, and 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 the, you know, amongst the people who write different styles of poetry, whether it's spoken word or or, or performance based or, or something, you know, which would we would traditionally call more academic. And you know, what, how do you decide when someone is a poet or isn't a poet? You know, I, I guess I've always been one to say, well, if you call yourself one, you must be one. You know, but uh, I, I suppose not everyone agrees with that. I think it, I think I had the same experience as far as uh, how long it took me before I would actually how many poems I wrote before I'd actually say that I was a poet. Right. So, Margo, what what about you? Yeah, um, I I started poetry in high school. High school was pretty generative for me, as it is for many people, and I guess I just never stopped. And it's been. Um, it, it, it's been a regular part of my day for, in different ways. There are days when, you know, I'm very regular with myself and I'm very disciplined. And there are times when I'll go a year and, and not write a poem. And um, I, I get anxious about that. I have to sort of forgive myself these things because there are there are those different ways. As to the, the being a poet, oh, there's such a wonderful quote, and I and I wish I remember who said it, but... and um. I, I won't attribute it because I'm sure I'll attribute it wrongly, but someone said to his teacher, he said, how do I know I'm a poet? And it was one of these writers of the 40s or 50s, and he said, you don't know, you die not knowing. If you have to know, then there's no there's no point to it. Um, so it's, it's um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a very loaded term. It's not at all like novelist or writer of fiction. It, 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 it carries freight. And anxiety and a certain business with it, I find. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's an interesting quote. I think, uh, you know, many times artists in, in any genre are seeking validation, you know, uh, whether it's to the quality of their work or their legitimacy as an artist. And, and I, I may have mentioned this uh, during the open reading last week on this show, but I, you know, I think that if you're if you're seeking that validation, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with validation or people appreciating your work, in in my view. But I, I think that, in my mind, if you're an artist, you you know you you create the art. Period. And if it's you know if other people like it or validate it, that's really secondary to the creation of the art. And you know, I, I think uh, amongst artists, the reason why we create the art is because we just have a need to do it. It's just it's it's we need to get whatever we have out you know in whatever style it is whatever medium it is and there i go not asking a question and so there's complete silence when i'm done talking that <laughs> happens to me so much when i talk with people it's it's amazing um well, i keep I'm nodding so happy. my head and i keep nodding my head and then i realize you know that it's audio so that's not working <laughs> it's it's good you know well you know there's the butterfly effect to that so if you nod your head somewhere, it's bound to have an effect on someone somewhere else. So, uh, uh, well done. Um, so, great. I'm, I'm so glad to have you guys with me. So, um, b before we get into your, you know, I want you to share some of your, your own work and then, and then have you talk about, uh, you know, your experience in, in reading the entries you have so far. But you all participated in the contest last year, and I'm wondering if, you, if there's, you, you want to, if there's anything interesting you want to share about that experience, or if you if you enter many contests, and you know what was your experience with the Poetry Superhighway contest last year? I, I guess pretty good if you if you got to the place that you were in the scoring, but you know try to think more uh, objectively. I guess um, I don't know. Gabrielle was probably pretty good for you. Yeah, it was definitely good. Um, it was a surprise. I mean, I just did it sort of on a whim, thinking, oh. I'll just I'll just enter this and you know we'll see what happens. It's only 
couple bucks. I, I forget how much it was, but uh, why not? You know, um, one one dollar per poem. Yeah, I think I entered five or something. So I was like, oh, five bucks. You know, that's the deal. That's you know, I could do that. <laughs> um, do, do you enter? Have you entered other contests? I mean, not not a lot really. Um, I'm I'm a bit disorganized in that area. <laughs> An artist disorganized. I, I. <laughs> All right, PJ. What about you? Um, Any comments I, on, on? Go ahead. Well, you know, it's such a great contest. Like she said, a dollar a poem, and then you, everybody gets something back, regardless of you know whether you win in the top three, you get some kind of a poetry book or a gift certificate or something somewhere else. So, I mean, there aren't too many contests where you feel like. Um, you know, just a total non-profit thing like that. I think it's it's great that you do it, and I imagine it's quite quite a bit of work. I mean, I've entered some other ones where um, not not a lot, like sent a couple chapbooks out, but you know that's a lot of money. I know somebody that submitted her book to over a hundred different contests before she finally got it published. So that was a, an expensive thing. If it's if you're talking a twenty-five dollar or thirty dollar reading fee, right? Wow. And I've had a pretty good experience with a poetry superhighway. You know, I won in 2003, and I got third place the last time, so it's been pretty lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> we're like uh, we're we're like putting you through college or something. This is great. Yeah. Um, what, what, did you when you entered? Did you get anything besides the, the the cash prize that you got for being one of the top placers? Did you get something cool in the mail? Absolutely. The first the first year, I got a fifty dollar jewelry gift certificate, which was amazing. I have a great bracelet. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Laurel, Ann, Laurel Ann Bogan, who's a local L.A. poet um, for a, a couple of years, sponsored with, with certificates to, to her online jewelry collection. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. Margo, what about you? you? Last year was the first year you entered, I think? Yeah, it was. I, it was a great experience. I would do it again this year if I weren't judging. Um, it was just – it's a wonderful – it's a wonderful idea not to have um, – to have, you know, three pairs of eyes on a poem, to have three people with, who bring their different experiences and different tastes and different, and, you know, much as we try and banish our, our prejudices, we're bound to have them. So um, I think it's just, it's set up in a wonderful way. It's so accessible. It's so accessible. It's so easy. And, um, yeah, and when we, when we encounter the poems, we encounter them as individual poems. We don't look at, you know, well, these three belong to this artist or, you know, these 14 belong to this artist. So we really encounter each poem, you know, on, on its own merits, which is really, which is really wonderful and unusual. And, um, yeah, last year I, um, I got, I got, um, let me think, a, a volume of poetry, and I got an, an edition of Pomelion, which is a journal that I really enjoy them. Cool, that's great. And uh, I, I didn't ask you, Gabrielle, did you get, besides the, uh, the, the cash that you won for first place, did you get additional prizes? Um, I got a journal. Um, and honestly, it was from Canada, but I forget what it was called. It was good, though. <laughs> cool. Um, that's great. Yeah, well, that's one of the, you know, the, one of the missions of the Poetry Superhighway, um, which sort of governs all the things that we do, is to expose as many people to as many other people's poetry as possible. So, you know, in, in putting the contest together, I wanted it to to meet that mission. And, and by getting all of these sponsors, I, I've been able to, thanks to the generosity of all of these people, to make sure that even if someone scores last place in the contest, that they're going to get something, you know, a poetry book, a journal, a subscription to something. Uh, um, there's all kinds of great things. There's a local poet named Jerry Garcia, who's a photographer, local to L.A., I should say, um, who, who donates, you know, some of his prints. Um, uh, this year, someone is donating a, uh, a a journal, like a handmade, you know, blank journal that one could write. And there's all kinds of really cool things. And it's just, you know, besides, I guess you're feeling good about the fact that you entered. Um, if you're getting something that has poetry in it, you are exposed to that poetry. And you may not like it, and you may love it, but um, you know, either way, you're you're, it helps to inform, you know, and and grow your own poetic voice. I think, and that's that's really the mission of, of what we do here. So thank you guys for participating, and thank you so much for, for being judges this year because it, it's definitely um, a chunk of work, um, as you've already experienced in the last uh, couple of weeks. 
So um, I, I want to mention to anyone who is listening, um, we're going to hear some, some poems from our, our judges uh, in a couple of minutes, but if you want to call in with any questions for them that you might have as a potential contest entrant, you are welcome to do that. The number to call in is area code 646-716-7362. Um, and if you don't want to call in and ask live, you can also just instant message me your question, and I'll be happy to ask it uh, to them in, uh, for you. And my instant message name on AOL on AIM is Rick Poet. So um, either way, a call in at 646-716-7362, and you can talk to the judges and, and hear what they have to say, or you can ask me any questions about the logistics of the contest if you'd like, um, or send me a message. So um, judges, I asked you to... Uh, prepare a poem by a one of your favorite poets and also one by by you so i'd love to i don't know margo you've gone uh, last so far why don't you, are you can you can you go first this time and maybe I, share sh share the poem by the poet who you brought sure um this is one of my a, a poem that's especially close to me this is um by randall jarrell it's from his 1960 Book, the Woman at the Washington Zoo. This is the this is the title poem. The Woman at the Washington Zoo. The saris go by me from the embassies, cloth from the moon, cloth from another planet. They look back at the leopard like the leopard. And I, this prince of mine that has kept its color alive through so many cleanings, this dull, no navy I wear to work and wear from work and so to my bed and so to my grave with no complaints, no comments, neither from my chief, the deputy chief assistant, nor his chief, only I complain, this serviceable body that no sunlight dyes, no hand suffuses, but dome-shadowed, withering among columns, wavy beneath fountains, small, far-off, shining in the eyes of animals. These beings trapped as I am trapped, but not themselves the trap, aging, but without knowledge of their age, kept safe here, knowing not of death for death. Oh, bars of my own body, open, open. The world goes by my cage and never sees me. And there come not to me, as come to these, the wild beasts, sparrows pecking the llama's grain, pigeons settling on the beer's bread, buzzards tearing the meat the flies have clouded. Vulture, when you come for the white rat that the fox has left, take off the red helmet of your head, the black wings that have shadowed me, and step to me as man, the wild brother at whose feet the white wolves fawn, to whose hand of power the great lioness stalks. Purring. You know what I was. You see what I am. Change me. Change me. Mm. Very That's nice. the poem. It's a beautiful. Thank you. It's a beautiful. Thank you. I say. If I take any credit, it's a beautiful poem, and I love the. I love the richness of the language, and yet I love how it doesn't get too poeticized. That it always stays in the predicament with the woman. And it's so, to me, it's just so evocative and so, it's spoken to me in so many different moments in my life. That's right. Well, you read it very well. I, I, uh, do you participate in readings in your own community? Have you... Thank you. No, that's actually a, a source of great nervousness for me. <laughs> um, I actually had two strange, very strange experiences reading out loud. One was with... Um, I, I was in creative writing classes, and I had a teacher who reprimanded me very strongly for um, for stopping for stopping at the at the line breaks. And she said, "No, no, 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 no! You're you're breaking it up artificially. You have to go with the, with the sentence." And I and I tried doing that in another class, and the teacher said, "Oh my God, I can't hear any of the line breaks." So, <laughs> um, yeah. So. I'm I'm still I'm still I think finding finding my voice aloud reading poetry. But thank you. That encourages me. That's interesting. I, I'm wondering, you know, how you know the form of the poem on the page affects your reading of it. You know, I, when I mm -hmm. uh, a friend yeah. of mine who helped me edit a book um, a while back of of my stuff, you know, would ask some really specific questions. Well, why is there a comma here? Or you know, this line is much longer than the others. Or why don't you break this up? And and it sort of forced me. Um, which is sort of a difficult thing to do if you're trying to stay true to your own voice to, 
to imagine how other people are perceiving the poem on on the page when I'm not myself reading it, you know, and it's uh, right. always been a question I've had on that. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that based on your teacher's comments to you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, why don't we why don't you read uh, your your own poem and then we'll get to the our other two. Sure. Um my own poem is also an animal poem. This is different, I think. Um, this is called "This is called Still Life with Corn Husks." I went to disgorge the bird from the cat's jaw, flayed on its neck, cut its gargoyle perch, held an unidentifiable pulp, a glimmer of matter. At its haunches, there were summer ears of corn, blood polished, hip bones paused and leaping. One paw still positioned to urge the bird downward. Its polyp tongue like tinder poised to flush the corn husk orange against the butchered mass as if birthing the baby through the mouth. Huh. Well, <clears throat> there's no secret why you came in in, in the top five of uh, last year's contest. Well, <laughs> well done. So you really you really don't go to, to readings in, in person, live openings or anything? Um. I do. I do to listen. What I meant was that I very seldom participated, um, but I love. I love think poetry. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, I I host a weekly open reading here in LA, and I hear. I you know, for years I've heard many many open readers, and you certainly you know uh, can hold your own in reading a poem. I don't know if it's different being by yourself in a room somewhere with a phone versus in front of a group of people, but. Uh, uh, you know, it's definitely a worthwhile thing to do, and you should you should do it more. Possibly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. All right, PJ. Who did okay. whose uh, poem did you uh, bring? Actually, it's it's um, Edward Luter's, and I probably it's more the poem I think that struck me. I don't know that I even have read anything else of his, but I think I found it in an anthology somewhere. It's called Your Poem Man. Unless there's one thing seen suddenly against another, a parsnip sprouting for a president, or hailstones melting in an ashtray, nothing really happens. It takes surprise and wild connections, doesn't it? A walrus chewing on a ballpoint pen, two blue taillights on Tyrannosaurus rex, green cheese teeth, maybe what we wanted least, or most, some unexpected pleats, words that never knew each other till right now, Plug us into the wrong socket and see what blows or what lights up. Try untried circuitry, new fuses. Tell it like it never really was, man, and maybe we can see it like it is. I just figured that that was an appropriate uh, poem for the contest because I think it says a lot about what I like about poetry, you know, unexpected connections or um, what he said. It takes surprise and wild connections. That's great. That's great. Well, the the title, uh, you know, to begin with, already makes me think. Wow, what a perfect poem for uh, for this spot in the in the show. And um, your your own poem. Okay, this is called "The Sea's First Cousin." A little remains dangling, splash of wild and flowers and fish scale roofs. A moonchild. To see clearly, one must cross the frontier, cross the street, visit the chocolatier, to a door that knows everything from your eyes. Listen to songs of red wings. Wait for me, the stars. I have something to say, taking street lamps hostage, picking bouquets. I'm impatient for the river to flow by my door, delivering a boat to row, so I don't have to walk far to escape. Scheherazade will tell my story, shape her sisters while I recline by the pond, watching frogs, goldfish, comedy beyond the bird night, and tragic morning endings. Skip my kisses, write your own stories, sing without ever seeing dawnlight coming. I miss them, too, the dead with hands stroking our midnight prayers. They knew, and I'm sorry I slept before writing their history. Little by little, I'm changing into cold castles and decaying stories through moss-grown towers. So sweet skies filling my chest with this rare air, freckling blue my thirsty skin. Mm. That's it. I would cross any street to get to the chocolatier. (laughs) That's a great word, isn't it? It's... It is a great word. Um, the, my next project will actually be the chocolate superhighway, just in case anyone's interested <laughs> in that. 
Um, all right, PJ, what about you? Do you participate in readings in uh, in your own town? Because you have you have a, a natural way about reading your poetry as well. Yeah, it, I have. Um, there's a place in Portland, Maine, called the North Star Cafe that has um, open mics every Tuesday, and then they have a, a featured reader later, and I've done that. And I edit um, a poetry magazine from east to west by Coastal Verse, and they're having us go one of those Tuesday nights for a micropress night. So it's, you know, I wish it weren't Tuesday because <laughs> I have to work the next day, but it's really fun. Tuesday is also the day that I host my reading here in Los Angeles, so I, I guess that would be a concept for people who wanted to go to both. Yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> aside from the fact that they're however many miles apart. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Um, great. Well, thank you for both of those. And uh, Gabrielle, it is your turn. Sure. Um, well, the poem I brought um, is by Lee Young Lee, who I think is my favorite poet. Um, say, the, say the name again. Lee Young Lee. Lee Young Lee? Yeah. Okay. Um, this poem is from his book called The Book of My Night, and it's called Pillow. There's nothing I can't find under there. Voices in the sea, the missing pages of... Uh, let me start with... <laughs> There's nothing I can't find under there. Voices in the trees, the missing pages of the sea. Everything but sleep. And night is a river bridging the speaking and listening banks. A fortress, undefended and inviolate. There's nothing that won't fit under it. Fountains clogged with mud and leaves, the houses of my childhood. And night begins when my mother's fingers let go of the thread they've been tying and untying to touch toward our fraying story's hem. Night is the shadow of my father's hands, setting the clock for resurrection. Or is it the clock unraveled, the numbers flown? There's nothing that hasn't found home there. Discarded wings, lost shoes, a broken alphabet, everything but sleep. And night begins with the first beheading of the jasmine. It's captive fragrance, rid at last of burial clothes. That's great. Uh, you know, any poem that has a beheading in it, I'm I'm a fan of. Um, uh, why why that poet in that poem? Um. Well, I just love the way his his he's so um, mysterious in a way, um, and he's so complex. Um, I, do, I haven't. It's like like when you read people people's work, and I, I try to understand like, okay, how did he do this, and um, how how did he get from here to there, kind of thing. And, and I find Lee Young Lee is so complex. It's just mm. it, it it just blows me away. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. And and let's hear uh, let's hear your poem. Okay. Um, let's see. This is called Lit Candles. If only there was a window in this hallway, then I might not get a headache this afternoon. I might, at this angle on the ninth floor, look out at a massive cloud and imagine I can climb it and see myself there, waving from the top. Twelve elephants long is about the length of this hallway. Twelve elephants of various sizes to walk in line and hold each other's tails. This morning, I followed them to the end of the hallway as they disappeared like ghosts into the wall. Before I sat down again, I walked back and forth seven more times. Everyone sits the same out here on these rows of concrete seats that are painted the color of blood. A father who wears a yellow shirt waits for his son's verdict. Every afternoon... When the hallway is quiet, he dons his reading glasses and shoots himself with insulin. I notice a woman who had been crying in the corner, left the paper watered with sadness and stone dead. All over the world, there are walls for that sort of thing. Walls of stone stacked and littered with paper scraps and prayers. I look for a crack in the mortar, a place to hide a small scrap tightly rolled. We need that here, but security is too tight. We empty our pockets downstairs at the metal detectors, and then again on this floor. 
When someone's son hobbles and shackles down the corridor, clanging, I see the guilt and the blame that is heaped on the walls for so many years as it drips to the floor, slowly like melting wax. Hmm. Very nice. One thing I've noticed uh, uh, when when you read, and actually all three of you, is that you you have a really great sense of when to pause. And I, I guess this sort of speaks to what we were talking about earlier, um, Margot. But the you know I, I think part of part of the artistry of of experiencing art is the spaces between the art. You know, the if you're listening to music, the the silence between the notes kind of accentuates what what just happened and. And you, you know, uh, uh, Gabrielle, you just did a great job with your own work and the other poem, and you all did of, of pausing in just the right places to kind of accentuate what it is that 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 you just read. You know, so well done to everyone. Thank you. All right, so uh, I want to uh, remind everyone that if you have any questions for our three judges of this year's poetry contest, you can call in right now and talk to them live. I have a caller on the line. I'm going to get to in just one minute. Um, the number to call in is 646-716-7362, and you can ask anything you want about this year's contest or how they score poems, etc. Um, and uh, if you're if you're too nervous to call in, you can you can send me an instant message with your with your question to Rick Poet. That's my AOL screen name. Uh, or if you happen to be in the uh, chat room connected with this Blog Talk Radio channel, you can you can ask it there. As well. So, um, right now I have a caller on the air from the 561 area code. Hello. Uh, technology. Is anyone there who's called in? All right, never mind then. My uh, switchboard is, has lied. We can only imagine what that question might have been. Um, so, but I do have some uh, other other questions for. For you guys, uh, so uh, you have uh, received about uh, 50 entries so far, and uh, I'm wondering if, if you guys have comments on what you've what you've received so far in terms of just any anything general you have to say about about that chunk of work that you have, um, Margo. Um, yeah, it's been really interesting things that have come in. Lots of lots of variety. We received. Um, a big chunk of prose poems, and then very, um, and then very deep imagery. Someone's been writing, and it's just. Um, I mean, I would like to say that that when I look at a poem, I try and look for it it to succeed on its own terms. That I'm not looking for it to succeed on my terms, and that there are many ways of 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 seeing that the poet has. Um, has done their own intention justice, which is what I'm looking for. Um, but yeah, it's been, um, and sometimes you can tell. Sometimes you can tell in, in the batch as well. This looks like it's funny when people styles assert themselves, and you can see, oh, these look like the work of the same author. And sometimes there's really no, no knowing. That's great. Well, it sounds like you're sort of keying into to what you really need to do as a judge. I mean, you, you all have your own sensibility of what you like and what you don't like, and if you can kind of remove uh, some of that to some extent, like as in remove, well, this isn't what I would have done from it, and and really look at it on its on its own terms. That that you're, you're that's what you have to do to to, to score these poems. Right. Right, right. and even and kind of getting. Go ahead. Oh no! Oh no! I was saying even to, um, you know, maybe the subject matter isn't necessarily something that you normally read or would write yourself, but you have to look beyond that and look at what they're doing in the poem. It is hard to kind of step yourself back a little bit to, um, you know, to try to be objective. I find it hard. You know, I'm <laughs> I, I almost wondered. I'm so used to being a teacher, and we have to have rubrics for grading everything. You know, and I'm I'm just hoping that I'm being consistent with the numbers that I put down, and you know what my criteria are as I'm reading them. Yeah, I'm I'm smiling and agreeing over here because I I think it's so interesting that, for example, you know, I mean, a Robert Frost poem can be so wonderful and so successful as a Robert Frost poem, but it's totally different from what say, you know, a Derek Walcott poem is, and it 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 is it is so instructive to me. I mean, I'm learning so much. Um, just 
assigning a number to these things. Yeah, right. A friend of mine said to me, how can you judge poetry? And and I, I said, well, all I can do is, you know, just do what I think and what I know and, you know, whatever I, what I feel, and that's about all I can do, you know, and I'm hope, I hope that I'm doing it right, or I hope that at least, you know, in the, in the scheme of things that I'm doing the best that I can do. Right. I mean, I guess the the difficult thing is um, is is or maybe it's not for you. I don't know. But is it, it's being consistent with your scores because you you might you know be in one state of mind, you know today, but in in a month and a half when you get a different batch of poems, you might be in a, in a whole different you know place. And you know, may, I, I wonder if you got the poems that you already received you know next month. Would, would do you think you, you might have a different score for them? Or do, is that a fair question? To ask? Actually, I've thought of that. I mean, I've been worried about that, and I, I've, I've been also um, trying to read in a good mood. <laughs> you know, I'm not going into bad feeling already. And if I if I am in a bad mood, I say, no, 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 I'll do this later. Right, or if you're but, tired, or right, that's probably good. You don't want people, you know, get, getting bad scores because you know you you know someone cut you off on the freeway today, you know, or, or forgive me, East Coasters Highway. <laughs> uh, or turnpike, if you if you prefer. Turnpike. <laughs> Margo, you're from here, so freeway. That was okay to say. Yeah, freeway. <laughs> Local um, dialect. Yeah. Great. So, um, so let's see. Um, let me ask you guys this: Do, do you um, have any? Uh, well, you know what? I wanted to tell people. You know, people might not know because this isn't actually in in the guidelines, but the specifics of how you're scoring. The poem. So basically, each poem entered is sent to you with the author's name removed. So you're getting a, a group of poems that it, you know, it's, and it's however many came in that day from whether it was one poet or three poets, you know, whoever got their entry fees in on that day, that's the group of poems that you'll get uh, all in one email with the author's name removed and they all kind of look the same despite any you know unique formatting that, that might have for that particular poem. Um and you um you're I asked you to score them from zero to five using quarter point intervals. So the lowest score would be zero, the highest score would be five, and it could be, you know, one point two five, two point seven five, whatever, and you, you send back the list of scores and I, I assign them in my spreadsheet to the poems and and then I and the only person who actually knows who the poems are by, uh, and and what the final score is on 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 all of them until the end of the contest. So, does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. So, um, when you guys are reading the poems, we we've touched on this a little bit, but what what kinds of things are you are you looking for? You know, what what things give a poem a higher score versus a a lower lower score. Actually, there's this thing that you know, being online and doing poetry workshops and stuff, you always get these people that you know will comment and just say, "Geez, I just don't get it," you know. But uh, so there's this there's this little quote that I always use. It's from um, Nancy Cunard. It's from the beginnings of Surrealist Revolution. And she says that a thing must be understood to be enjoyed is not more than 50% true. It follows that appreciation does not depend on understanding, but is decided by the sudden sense of beauty or excellence. Sudden because all fine poetry gives the reader surprise at the writer's invention, the writer's discovery. It surprises even shocks into enjoyment. In poetry such as um, Breton scenes, the association of thought may be difficult to grasp, whereas its quality is immediately sensed. It depends on where the realities of your life are. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I would say that a poem that's just a complete jumbled nonsense has cool words and it would be necessarily something that I'd be looking for, but it's definitely the surprise and, you know, new associations and stuff that really makes poetry enjoyable for me to read. Great. Um, what, what about you, Margo? Yeah, I'll I'll echo that. What a beautiful quote. Um, yeah, I agree. It's 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 initial surprise, and also to add to that, a poem that stands up on reading, a poem that seems to have um, a 
poem where some where there's there's a lot going on. You can you can push on any part of it, and there's yield. You know, I mean, I, and and again, I I like I I like the sense that that poets have have a really have fully developed their own voice, whatever their voice is, that they're speaking confidently, that they're not trying to impress, that the um, yeah, I mean, the intention shows through in the in the final. It'll it'll show often. Hmm. I find. All right. Good. And um, uh, Gabrielle, do you what? What are you looking for in these poems? Mm, I think I'm looking. Well, I know I deduct points for misspelled words, <laughs> um, but I'm trying not to be too picky about that kind of thing. Um, but uh, I think I. I look for a good mix of things, like um, imagery mixed in with like interesting form or something um, creative, uh, a different, just a different kind of way of looking at things, something mm. that just surprises me or strikes me as like, wow, that's, that's different. A unique voice that, that, uh, that surprises you. Yeah, a unique well, way of describing something or something like that. Well, great. I want I want to ask um I want to ask all of you about those little mechanical things uh, in spelling and form and and that sort of thing. Uh, but it, I, I see on my switchboard that the caller from the five six one area code may be back. So let's see if you're there. Are you there? Caller from the five six one area code. Yes, I'm here. Hi, and and oh, this sounds like uh, Martin Steele. It is Martin Steele. Hi, Martin. How are you? I Hi. recognize your voice. I recognize your voice from uh, from uh, your your open reading last uh, last time. Um, do you have a question for the contest judges? Yes, I was just uh, I was trying to get through for quite a while now. I was just wondering um, on the scoring. You, you were speaking about points from naught to five. Uh, what about originality? How many points would that score if you if something it's away from the mundane? Go ahead, anyone. I, yeah, I think I'll jump in. This is Margo. I think originality is 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 obviously very key, but it has to be executed well. Um, that for for me at least, the original thought. Is the impulse behind the poem, and it has to it has to turn into something. Yes, okay, I agree with you Does there. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes sense. Look, yes, I know if the language. I've, I've got no trouble. Rick's been reading my stuff, and I've been quite happy with that. But um, something that always bugs me are the school buses. Everywhere you go, you see the yellow school buses. Now, I wrote a, a small piece on the yellow school buses. Okay, the language is there. The idea is there. But how many points would you start with the originality of the theme? That's what I'm trying to get at. Well, it's, it's interesting, you know, because I guess we're asking. Is, I've given the judges, you know, you know specifics on on how to to use that that zero to five points. I didn't. I use half of that for for style and grammar and mechanics, and use the other half for originality. So, you know, there is no. I should point no specific direction on that. It's really up to the judges to use their own sensibility. Um, to apply a score um, in any way that they want, as long as they're consistent with that score from the beginning of the contest to the end. But does anyone else uh, have a have a comment on Martin's question? I don't think I'm breaking poems down like you said. You know, I've seen contests where it was judged that way before. You know, kind of like a Iron Chef type thing where there's three stories there, but. Um, I think it's mostly the overall impression of the poem. I'm not breaking it down at all. Like I'm not saying, okay, you know, they spelled that word wrong. I'm going to take off a quarter of a point, or, or, um, but you know, I mean, I, the originality is obviously important. I think, like Margot said, though, um, it's it's the way that the ideas are carried through that's more important. Okay, I'm with you there. Okay, I quite agree with that. That's how the ideas are carried through. Okay, well, fine. That answers my question because I've read so much abstract stuff uh, in the New York and other uh, other magazines that sometimes it's very difficult to understand what they're writing about. Yet they get published and they get lauded. But uh, I'd like to read something which I understand what the poet's writing about. Yeah. Well, you, you, we all appreciate you know uh, poems in in different levels, and some people 
you know, a- appreciate really accessible poetry written in, in plain, clear language, and some people really enjoy, you know, uh, poems with, with more complex imagery and, and, and metaphor and, and things like that. So it's uh, it's really up to the judges to, to sort of use their own sensibility on that. And I think, you know, what, what Margot said at, at the beginning was that it's it's trying to understand the poem, you know, on its own terms outside the, the sensibility of, of the individual judge, I, I guess, is, is where we're at. Yes, we're and it sounds like, Sorry. It sounds like everyone is, is making an effort to, to do that. So that's great. Well, Martin, I really appreciate you calling in with your question and for being a, a regular here on Poetry Superhighway Live. And thanks very much. The most interesting afternoon. Thanks so much. Take it easy. That was Martin Steele. Martin uh, was a featured poet of the week uh, earlier uh, in the year. I'm not looking at the the past poets page, but if you want to check out some work from him, you can go to uh, Poetry Superhighway and click on Past Poets Archive, and you can you can see uh, you can see his stuff there. So let let me ask you. And if anyone else wants to call in, uh, we've got about ten minutes left. We we might get to you. The number is six four six seven one six. 7362 or you can you can instant message me your question at Rick Poet or in the the blog talk radio chat room. So um that question that we've been kind of been hitting a little bit of of the mechanics of the poem. So a couple of you sort of said that you you're, you're sort of being generous there about spelling and form or but um how much really do, does that stuff play into looking at the poems? When when does it become an an issue for for you? Um uh, uh Gabrielle, how about you? Um, well, I think if if a few if a few words are misspelled, that, that doesn't bother me as much as if the whole thing is presented kind of sloppy, um, which it's kind of hard to say. Um, I mean, if if um, it's kind of hard to say because it's hard to tell like if a if a form, I mean. People are doing all kinds of things that are formalist, so it's hard to say, you know. But misspellings and things do bother me, but I'm not really looking at them specifically. But if the whole thing was kind of sloppy, then I would say, like, well, gosh, you know, this this really could have been presented more, more, you know, nicely. Then I would I would probably score it lower. All right, so it's you know it's important that people some thought put some thought into you know the, uh, making sure that the, the poem is presented in a in a clean way um, you know if it's overridden with with misspellings and, and strange formatting that didn't seem intentional uh, you know that would be more of an issue to you than than just you know a misspelled word here and there. Yeah. All right, great. So uh, PJ, what about you on that stuff? Um, yeah, you know, a few misspelled words. I mean, she's right. If if the overall poem is sloppy or... I, I wish I had the quote on line breaks. We were talking about that. and you know, Somebody was talking about enjambment. And, you know, I think if every line ended on a period, that would really annoy me unless unless somebody was doing it in a, you know, completely original, cool way. And, you know, they, they were making a point by ending every line with a period. But, you know... Um, if they're actually going to write formal poetry, you know, you want to see a poem that's kind of not ruled by the form. You know, that the form, sometimes people try to shoehorn words into something to make it fit. Um, and you can kind of tell when they're doing that, when they're forcing it. Right. I, You know, I find that a lot personally. Uh, this is just my own personal sensibility in, in rhyming poetry, in particular from newer newer poets, it seems like, you know, the, the rhymes, uh, you know, you had to find a word that rhymed, and it wasn't necessarily the best word to, to make the poem succeed, but it but sh- it sure rhymed, you know. Um, and, and I guess another comment I could, you know, I, I heard once someone say that poetry is, is really about the economy of language, and I, I think this keys into what you just said. It's using as few words as possible to say what it is that you want to say. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, there are some um, contemporary poets that are doing some really cool things with form. I'm really right in some myself, but like Annie Finch, if you've read her poetry, um, it, she took a form called a paradel that was invented by Billy Collins as a joke and, you know, turned it into a really interesting poem. So it can be fun if you can do it well. 
Great. Um, all right, Margo, what about you on the mechanics? Yeah, um, absolutely. I I have a particular fondness for form poetry and rhyme poetry, but I I sort of like that way myself. That may just be an admiration of those who can can pull it off, like you say, can pull it off without getting buried in the form. Um, as far as as far as the mechanics, you know, I mean, typos happen to everybody, but when there start to be, you know, more, say more than one even in a poem, well, it gets suspicious. Yeah, to me, it just seems like maybe there wasn't enough care taken, and that, you know, it it it's distracting for one, and it's it's not nice. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm kind of with you there. I, you know, I, I get lots of poetry every week for Poet of the Week submissions, and you know, if, you know, I, I think when I put, when I send stuff out, you know, I, I try to be really careful about the way it looks, and I don't want to send misspelled words out, and I want the punctuation to be in the right place because I, I do find it distracting. And if, if you know, you know, you occasionally get work that's all in uppercase, you know, or that kind of thing, and it's just, it seems like, you know, it's. It's it's just hard to read, you know. It's hard to even to get to the uniqueness or originality of the concept if it's there. If if that kind of stuff is not, not, you know, cared for. Right. And what the worst part? I mean, the only really horrible, egregious thing is when you're guessing when you're when you're trying to reconstruct the poet's intention and say, "Oh my God, did they mean, <laughs> you know, did they mean duck or did they mean duke?" And I mean, it's just that's that's the only thing. <laughs> Um, there you go. Yeah, I've had some, you want to be in. Yeah. I I remember getting a, a poem from someone, you know, and then I, I put it up and I loved the piece, and then they they said, "Oh my gosh, this word is was supposed to be a different word," and and it completely changed the poem for me. And I was like, "Wow, I, I don't know that I would have put it up that you know without with that because it was so interesting, you know." Uh, but you know, we've only got a couple minutes left, so I'm wondering if uh, if you guys we could just go through you once again, if you got maybe one final word of advice um, in a quickly. Um, 30 seconds or so from each of you on, on what, what you might tell people entering. Um, PJ, how about you? Well, I'm, I'm, I was just saying I was so glad you didn't ask us for a list of po- poets that we liked so that we get in a bunch of submissions that are all like those poets. But, you know, I just totally, I think the whole idea of, you know, developing your own voice and it is really interesting to read what you can kind of tell as a block by one person. And it, it does make you read them oh. differently. Even think about what you send together, because we get them together. That's a good thing for people to know, that we get them in a block. Are you guys there? I am. Yeah. Oh, I, I, sorry, I got I don't know if you heard that, but there was a ton of noise, at least on my end. But um, all right, mo- moving along, um, uh, Gabrielle, what about you? Final words? Um, I don't know. Just be true to yourself. Um, I think that's what I would say to anyone who was writing, you know, don't try to be something you're not. Just do your own thing, and I think that always works. Excellent advice. And Margo? I'll just second or third third that. I um, Absolutely. Just, um, I'll, I'll, you know, again, the thing about voice, just be confident in your voice. And um, maybe be a little fearless. Push it. Nice. Write poems naked and send them <laughs> in. Um, you guys, thank you so much for, uh, for for taking time out of your afternoon to uh, to be a part of uh, this special edition of Poetry Superhighway Live. And, and, and a huge amount of thanks for the work that you're going to be doing, uh, that you've already done over the last couple of weeks, and that you'll be doing through the end of September in scoring the, the poems that have come in. I really appreciate it uh, a lot. It's great to be able to help. I, I it's one of the contests I think I'd you know recommend just about to to anyone. You really get your money's worth out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And congratulations on one year broadcasting. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, um, if if anyone, I, you know, we our next show is going to be I, I think it's August tenth. Uh, I might have the date wrong, but it's 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 up on the on the website, and that's going to be our next open reading. Everyone is invited to call in. And read. We've had some really great open readings over the last year. If anyone has any crazy ideas for other kinds of shows that we could do, maybe something you would like to host, uh, feel free to email me and we'll uh, see if we can uh, we can coordinate that on Blog Talk Radio. A huge thanks to Gabrielle Middlebach, 
PJ Knights and Margot Lurie for for being with us today, judging the contest, um, uh, you know, and, and all the work that they are doing. Um, send poems to enter the contest. It's only a dollar per poem to enter. You click on a contest from the Poetry Superhighway main menu to get all the details. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a lovely rest of your afternoon. <laughs>